Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to Swing Space Radio, episode number 14. I've got William Leaf live from Jupiter, Florida. What's going on, guys? I'm Dan Trainer. This week, we're going to try something a little bit different. So as you guys know, longtime listeners, yeah, generally we go through the week's PJ Tour event and talk about the odds, go through who our favorites are this week or that week. Uh, this week, we're going to do something different. We put out an Instagram post asking our listeners for some questions that they would want answered because, frankly, it's the match play. We don't I got care. An idea. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen this week. It's just and too. It's too random. It. It's too random yep. based on the pods, and it's a round robin, and it's it's just. Um, I don't feel like it really requires even that much knowledge. It's just more of a crapshoot. So it's like, what's the point of even trying to do this? And it's so out of the ordinary. With like you were kind of saying, and now the Masters coming up, people are probably working on things more than <laughs> really trying to win that golf tournament. Right. You know, it's more preparation. Like Tiger's playing because he knows he has three rounds to play and to go. And work on things yeah it's a wgc event but it's match playing like i said i mean it's it's a lot of weeks are crapshoots this one feels especially so and uh, i've got no interest in putting any money down so we're going to talk about a few things that i saw last week on twitter that i thought would be a fun discussion and then we're going to jump into your questions so let's start it off with this tweet that i saw andrew treadway who is the guy that started the Stracaline books mm-hmm. that you see all of these guys on tour using, uh, you know, college golf. It's, it's, it's definitely made it through college golf uh, quite a bit. I know you guys were using it uh, yep. in a lot of the tournaments that you guys would play at the University of Minnesota. It's pretty cool. I mean, the books are, are cool. I know there was a big argument uh, with the governing bodies of golf over this past offseason right. about banning the books. Uh where did that end? I feel like they kind of banned some of it, but then, like, essentially, they were they were able to loophole out of it where right. you can still pretty much use the books. Right, right. I mean, I don't know because it is kind of ridiculous. Like, how are okay? So everyone's got a yardage book, right? Like everyone's looking in the yardage book. So how are you going to police the contents of that yardage book? Are you just gonna before everyone starts the round, like you step up to the tee box, you go to a rules official, everyone opens their yardage book, flips through every (laughs) single page and is like, yeah, I don't have any illegal content in here, sir. Let me play. Let me tee off. Right. And that's the thing. It's like all, I mean, what? 70% 70% of these guys already have them from years past. And I'm pretty sure even rookies probably search out some sort of caddies to get that information that's already been mapped. It's like, it, it's just too accessible for these guys. They already have it. They're not going to, they, they're not doing it in the practice round. Like they already have it in their yardage books. So they'd have to re- back, go back and well, do their yardage books all over again just because they're not supposed to have and that's kind of the thing so like okay can you use it a practice round can i like is it just the printed version could i draw it myself like so are you going to outlaw that i can draw certain things in my own yardage book like it just it doesn't seem very uh and i think the the argument is that you want putting to be hard but look at i mean if like it's funny, you know, even if you go look at TrackMan as they're kind of, I don't want to say figuring out putting, but really seeing what putting is. Like if you go and look at a TrackMan 4 that's tracking the same putt mm-hmm. over, you know, a, a number of iterations on a practice screen, like 
the same the, the same putt doesn't do ev- the same thing every single time. Exactly. It's not like they're putting on marble. You know what I mean? It's like it's <laughs> yeah. still grass. There's still grain. There's still like there is still natural variation to the green that isn't solved by and a yardage book. Right. Yeah. It's it, 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 there's so many variables to it that to say oh these yardage books are solving putting. So it's always just giving you a general it's always just giving you a general idea um yeah for every situation you know what i mean like you could have the same putt thursday to friday and it might do something a little bit different just because of like you're saying the variations the like you said you could get a gust of wind or something like right. it doesn't mean you have the be all end all now putting's over <laughs> So I saw this tweet by this guy last week. He tweeted it out uh, at 4.47 a.m. on March 20th. And it got me really thinking uh, quite a bit about, you know, trying to play professionally these days and just being on tour in general. So he posted the results from the National Invitational Tournament at Tucson National in Tucson, Arizona. So... to give you just kind of a, a comparison, he 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 took the scores from March 18th through 19th of 2019 and May 22nd, 1999. It's the same golf course. I mean, I, I've actually played there once. Like, the course hasn't changed a ton in those mm-hmm. 20 years. This year's version was a par 72, 7,200 yards. May 22nd, 1999, par 72, 7,087 yards. So we got an increase of about 130 yards. So it's a longer course. I mean, not considerably so, but it's a longer course. The winning team score this year was 814, which is 50 under par. (laughs) The winning score in 1999 was 854, which was 10 under. So team score... Team score was 40 under par better this year than 20 years ago. Now, you look at the individual scores. Alex Del Rey, guy from Arizona State, medals the golf tournament at 17 under par over three rounds. Shoots 199. Individual Jeff Quinney from ASU. He spent some time on tour, didn't he? Yeah, but look at the other people. Adam Scott finished seventh. No, I know Adam Scott, Matt Jones, Paul Casey's in that tournament. Ben Crane, like Troy Kelly, Charlie Hoffman. These are all guys that are in the top ten. Two oh nine wins the golf tournament. So seven under par medals in nineteen ninety nine. Seventeen under par medals this year. That that two oh nine this year takes eleventh place, ties for eleventh. Yeah, so you're telling me back in 99, man, I could have T10'd all day. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my question, not to be like devil's advocate. I'm just curious. I wonder what the difference in weather was, though. No, they said he made that comment, too. I figured he had to have. So Andrew Treadway played in that golf tournament. That's why he posted that. Ah, good. Okay. So he he played in the golf tournament. In, in 1999, and, and what so he, he saw what the scores were 
on 2019. He said the weather was pretty much the same. It was beautiful. It was, uh, he it's said, 1999. <laughs> yeah. So he said 1999, it was 93 degrees winds at 10 to 15, 2019, 80 degrees winds at 10 to 15. So it was like, cool. it was Perfect. warmer in 1999, but like 93 in Tucson, dude, 93 in Tucson is beautiful. Like I would rather have it yeah. be 93 in Tucson than 80. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, cause it is kind of mind blowing. I mean, look at all those guys that are shooting. I mean, Charlie Hoffman, 71, 74, 73, T13. Like, so, so, in like, so, so in, let's, in let's like look at this. Individual, individual. Jeff Quinney would have taken 11th individually. Arizona State, who won both years. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> This year by 21 shots over USC. But um, Arizona State wins both years. In 1999, they would have taken T9 if they would have had that same score this year as a team. So out of a 16-team field. No, here, here. They wouldn't have beat any of the top 50 teams in the country at T9. The team that won wouldn't have beat any of the ranked teams. See what I'm saying? See how it says this got me thinking. Because because Scott Fawcett followed up this tweet or this this tweet, which you know he's another good follow. If you guys don't follow him already, uh, good mind on on you know managing the golf course. Founder of Decade Golf. Um, he he followed up this tweet with one that I thought was just as interesting. So when Tiger Woods was a sophomore. Yeah. At Stanford, he had a seventy point five one, I think it was, scoring average. Mm-hmm. He didn't say whether that led the nation that year, so I don't, I don't know whether that it led did. The I nation. believe he had eight wins that year. Yeah, so he had eight wins that year, shooting seventy one point or seventy point five four five one or whatever that year. That would be tied for fiftieth in the country this year. Individually, like what? Yeah, what is that? But is that because here's of the, him? Here, like, here's is that like? I have a bunch of thoughts. One, instruction is getting to the point, and pe- I feel like people are. Get- and, and actually, you know what's what's the most interesting part about this is like, is this all because of Tiger? Right. Like. This, what the game, what the state of the game of golf is. People say, oh, golf is, you know, like uh, it's it's dropping off, rounds are down, which is true. But the people that buy in and really want to be good, I feel like there's obviously so much, so many more resources at their disposal now to focus and become really good, really young. Now, my question will be, my question will be, okay, so Tiger Woods at, 19 20 years old again that guy winning eight times his sophomore year at stanford mm-hmm. with a scoring average of 70 and a half right that guy went on to be on the pro ranks in the pro ranks i mean arguably the best player of all time right right So you look at these guys that are playing now in college and they're already 
objectively awesome at the game. Right, like of course, yeah, absolutely. Green on the green, scoring the golf ball because it's not like it's not like they're playing Tucson National, which did host a tour event for a while, and I think still does host a senior tour event. Yeah, right, like it's not, it's not a like joke. they're playing joke golf courses. Okay, and to go off that, like my time in college, I'm convinced, and I've heard a few times. That college golf courses, obviously, sometimes, yes, sometimes not, are harder than tour courses. Longer at yeah, times. Again. Like, pins are so hard. Because think about it. It's a golf team setting it for the event. So whatever their advantage is. Not for TV. Like, when you go to a PJ Tour event, it's not just hard as possible. Where some Like, when we had the Gopher Invitational. I was just going to say, so talk about the Gopher Invitational. We had kind of throughout the years different thoughts, like based on our team, right? Like, should we make it hard as possible? Should we make it shorter because we don't bomb it? Like, my point is, is there are some tournaments that are harder than PGA Tour events, no doubt. And these kids are still... Than the average. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about like WGC's majors, anything right. like that. I'm talking like, like the John Deere is right. significantly easier than the Gopher Invitational. Yeah, not even, not, really, not even close. Would agree. And my point is, though, still at the Gopher Invitational, under par is winning. For sure. So now, but I mean, at the John Deere, like. 28 wins sure years. but someone i you think know, gets like, to like 10 or something in the gopher and i'm saying that's in september it was blowing like 30 <laughs> it just but i guess my my whole point to this is it will be you know i was listening to a podcast with Gigi george gankus the other day and he was talking about you know the guys that he has on tour are playing really well but he was kind of almost holding back his excitement talking about some of the young guys he has and how excited he is to watch some of these kids come and play on tour you know what i mean because it's like i do honestly feel like the big the leap is mental like the leap is, is hey i'm 19 20 21 years old and then there's tiger woods you know what i mean it's like yes. matthew wolf he's out there just mashing 19 year olds like okay well that that is there's a difference between mashing 19 year olds and then objectively yeah. knowing that the game is the same but then moving to a different environment and trying to do the same thing, like that's what Tiger was able to carry over from, hey, I'm mashing all of these 16, 17, 18-year-olds to USAMs, and now I'm going on to tour, and it's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm way better than these guys, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's what, when I look at these scores, it to me, it's just like, are we going to see, like, again, I feel like right now, and in the last five to seven years we've had this kind of renaissance on the pga tour where we had tiger and everyone was worried about well one tiger goes away and this actually gets into one of our questions uh later right, compared right. to phil and tiger but like you know you had tiger woods come along and just lay waste to everyone and now you had a really fun group of young guys come along that essentially were are there because of tiger you know what i mean like they sure. came and like the game and to your point about the mental side, right? Like the difference between Matt Wolf and Tiger, how Tiger was able to just mentally click into it on the next level immediately. It's like 
from a talent perspective, from an expectation perspective, just overall from the best players coming from college and into the pros is different now because of him. So like they know they can do it, but it's tough because they're actually coming into people, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, um, that are kind of following Tiger where Tiger went in and he was setting the stage. Like there wasn't anyone that actually have seen that yet. Do you get what I mean? Like, yeah, that well, that's that but, you could believe that you could shoot 13 under at the U.S. Open and pebble and win by 15 or 12. So this, is like, my, this is my question, though, and this is kind of where I'm going with this is golf's harder now. <laughs> well, golf is harder now, but oh, also there, you see these guys. To me, it's like we all know that golf is really a game against the course and against yourself. And then in stroke play, when you add them all up, it's kind of like, well, who kicked the course's ass the hardest? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, my question is, when we look at these two comparisons of 2019 to 1999, and then we project another 20 years into the future, when some of these guys, Alex Del Rey, you know, Mm -hmm. we got these guys that that we're, we're playing very well individually on this golf course. I mean, here's the facts. Like, Justin Sue, Southern California, yep. 16 deep. Like, frankly, I've never heard of the guy, right? But he goes 66, 64, 70 on a course that Adam Scott, 20 years before, took seventh and went 71, 72, 72. Okay, <laughs> well, at the same age, it's hard to say – Justin Sue from Southern California, you're not as good as Adam Scott or significantly Objectively, better. Objectively, right. Like, yeah, because so, like, you take people around them. When you move on and you look down the line, like where is the room for growth? Is it all mental and then just – because here's the thing. We don't have guys on tour. We've never seen guys just go, yeah, I shoot 59, 61, 62, 58. And, like, there's my tournament, right? And so, like, yeah. the room to grow for these people seems less. Less. And so it'll just be interesting. Like, you you look at Tiger's wins record, right? Like, what – and this just kind of gets to the heart of, like, how I look at golf. It's like, what is it about Tiger that allowed him to continue that dominance into the PGA Tour and, like – continue his run of i just beat everyone out here where like you have a guy like matthew wolf who's ripping up the ncaa this year right how many wins does he have he's he's got at least six doesn't he i think so yeah so and he played in he played at the uh waste management uh, phoenix he played at the waste management and like through one or two rounds like he was top 15 wasn't he and then like i think he and that's just all mental that's just the like getting used to that but also like to your point though, it's like he's coming out to Pete play with people that have seen Tiger, that have played with Tiger, that knows the expectation of what's possible. When Tiger came out there, he was being told, ah, like, no, like you won't do this, you won't do that. But he was the only one that saw that or had that expectation. And that's how he changed it. So like nowadays, the room for improvement from a like score basis and things like that is minimal. But now it becomes like, okay, who's going to be the guy that can change the expectation a little bit again from the winning standpoint? That's how they're going to stand out. Now that's way harder, in my opinion, now because of how good people are. But like, what's that jump mentally from college to the pros? 
Because if you go shoot 68, 68, 68, 68 in the pros, you're really good, but you're not doing anything different. That's that's my thing. Tiger like was doing something different, like at a U.S. Open. Like that was different. That's a different expectation. People were expecting to shoot over par. He was kind of like, ah, no. No. Why? Yeah. Like, so who's going to be the next guy that can change the expectations? Because to your point, the room for improvement on the range, on, you know, statistically almost, is really hard with strokes gained now. Like, you can't really plan to go gain 15 strokes off the tee. <laughs> like, right. But from a mental standpoint and beating the golf course and other people. But now... Everyone has access to Decade. Everyone has access to TrackMan. So it's like it simply comes down to some sort of mental that I can't answer. I don't think either of us can. No one can right now. But like and this the is improvement, the, like, the jump, the jump. What is the jump, you know? So like you have all these guys, Texas, El Paso, you know, Colorado State, Iowa State, you know, Ricky Costello from Iowa State out here taking 13th place. At six under, right? 69, 72, 69. Again, another guy I've never heard of, but he was third on his team in this tournament. And at 210, would have taken solo second by two shots. Right. In, in 1999, right? So, like, my question is now even moving forward into the competition to even get on tour. Because I, I think what's going to happen is there's a lot of these guys that probably could have a long career just talent wise. Yes. But like they're never even going to get their yeah. shot because they don't want. I mean, like just think of like how long some of these guys like Pat and Kazire, I think he broke through and finally like made and played on tour when he was like 28, 29. Right. But Alex, it's not like he Alex, wasn't trying. Alex Norin get, didn't get through Q school in 2012. So like you have and these guys like almost 40 now. Like. Yeah, so it's just it, it's just interesting, and maybe this has always been the case, but it just seems like objectively there are so many excellent, excellent world class golfers that aren't even going to get a sniff mm-hmm. of tour. I mean, it really comes down to because, how long do you want to wait for it? Like, right. kind of, it's the journeyman now. Like, either you're damn good and you're playing when you're in college on tour events, and you kind of like ex- get your sponsors exemption right. your way on. Or it's like you kind of have to journeyman this if you want your real, real chance. Right. And again, like, like that's just a life choice because it's like, if you, do you want to be yeah, 32 and, you know, just decide, oh, I, I guess it's time to give up, but now what? You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it is very interesting to me. And there's going to be a lot of guys that, which is cool for golf, which is cool for people that are watching. Um, but there's going to be a lot of, I mean, amateur golf is going to be considerably better because there's going to be a lot of these guys that are just not going to make it. Right. That's I mean, like it's, it's, it, it is a very interesting time for golf. I think it's a very fun time for guys that are fans of a PGA tour golf, because I think what we've got coming up, even though you yeah. may not know their names, they're good. <laughs> they're damn good at playing golf and the last thing i'll say about that is like it's kind of interesting and now people's expectations too as far as just objectively being good at this game not necessarily being a major champion or you know getting your tour card and stuff it's like finishing 13th in these events is really good <laughs> like we're back when tiger was in college and stuff finishing 13th was probably like uh like 
because you know, what you said, that guy was six under and he was finishing like 12th. And he's third best on his right. team or something. It's like, that's still really good. And I think that's the challenge for players young ages is to accept the fact that I played good golf and I finished 13th. Especially after seeing Tiger win everything. Like, yep. it, it's so different from other sports. Like, you can win by finishing 12th. You know, like win as far as like, hey, I played good. I played well against this golf course. Instead of looking at it as I lost, which you did, but you people look at that and then they break down because they lose confidence. It's just interesting because it's getting sure. so hard to win. <laughs> For sure. So we got a couple of really good questions here uh, from the Instagram. Thanks, everyone. For responding in the in, in the interest of time, we're probably not going to get through them all today, but we'll take these uh, one at a time, and we'll you know on, on future podcasts, uh, ones that we didn't get to today, we'll sprinkle in, and we'll we'll try to answer them all here eventually. Uh, one of the one of my favorite questions on this list, and there are a bunch of good ones. What does Phil's career look like if Tiger never touches a club? <laughs> that one, I mean, I think that kind of goes to what we're even talking about like right now it's just the expectations a little bit different i don't think people might disagree with me i just don't think phil would be as good as even as now without him yeah i think i think the question gets and in life and in golf i mean it's about like can you take the honest look at yourself and improve from there which tiger kind of made people make ask themselves that question of like okay I'm not as good as him, <laughs> so I need to find out a way to become better in my way to compete with him. And I think Phil sure. did that because Phil never tried to be like Tiger. You know what I mean? He never tried to emulate his game. He just, I feel like, maximized, though, with what he had because Phil has not that good of technique with his golf swing. I mean, a lot of people will agree with yeah. that. But he just flat out learned how to become better, you know, through through assessing. And, you know, I don't, I don't know maybe he wouldn't have played as aggressive or we don't know, but I just don't think he would be as good as he is now. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't actually look at this question about Phil and say, would he have won more? Because I don't really think he would have either. I think, I mean, he's even admitted it. You know, he's said like, listen, if Tiger didn't come around, I wouldn't have pushed myself as hard as I did. Right. Like I think that guy comes on and he's physically a freak and he's obviously obsessed with working out in in the early part of his career when like it's funny if you go watch some of these like old PGA tour events i think i was just watching one the other day they were running one on the golf channel or something like that from the 90s and you look at these guys and you're just like okay well no wonder people don't believe this is a sport you know what i mean cuz it's like <laughs> they grew up with these guys making shit tons of money yeah with like and they couldn't run a mile like they would literally stop to stop and start jogging or stop (laughs) stop and start walking so like i mean the guy he said is like you know he's forcing everyone to work a little bit harder he's forcing everyone to look at fitness as a big part of the game i mean those are really those are quotes right and so like he he's even saying like he's been working with his trainer and it's helped him with his longevity just like the standard that that guy set Right. Right. So like I think everyone for and maybe don't they don't forget, but it's like you look at Matthew Wolf, you look at the conversation we were just having. Like this guy was Matthew Wolf when he was in college. Like he played at Arizona State. Yeah. And he won he won a tour event as an ant. Right. So it's like this guy was he was in that same vein of Tiger. Like that guy was ready to come on tour 
and kick for sure. Him. And like you he know what I mean? just he's the guy that's been born with talent. Like he's just talented. I, so he's like everything was based off of talent going. And then I think Tiger though got him to look at okay, I have my talent, but now what do I do to maximize my game and to be able to have a career out here? You know, a solid career. And that's where to answer that question from my perspective is just I don't think his wins and I mean anything looks much different or is majors i just think he's flat out better if if no. phil was playing phil if phil without tiger was playing phil with tiger the phil with tiger would whoop his ass flip side yes like if they were going like in so a career tiger, standpoint. tiger comes on right tiger comes on and like i feel like in life generally what like life just kind of snowballs. Like if you see yourself as second best, you just, it, it, you kind of snowball as, oh, I'm I'm not quite that or I'm not quite this guy. So you just like allow yourself to get in this, right? I yeah. mean, the guy's got 44 wins on tour. We talked about whether, you know, th- that potentially Tiger pushed him to be a better golfer overall and a, you know, a, a, a yeah. a more in-shape person. But now, say there is no Tiger. And say this guy comes on, wins as an am, mm-hmm. comes on, gets an early major win or something like that, right? Because, right. like, just, just say that happens. Now my question would be, does that snowball? Because, again, like, if there's mm-hmm. no Tiger, Phil's universally looked at as the best player, right? Like, everyone's going to be – I don't think everyone's going to be – slobbering over Phil like they did Tiger. The game's not going to change like it did, of course. But of course not. There's because Phil doesn't. I feel like part of Tiger's appeal was the emotion that he showed, the fist rocking, and like exactly. you know, like how much he was into it. Right, like it was just so different, and I think you know part being you know being uh, an African American helped him two in the fact that he was just different like it didn't help it but like i'm saying like it was yeah no part it, of why it was interesting like it was just so different from what had been in the past where phil you know he's just another go you know potentially out of shape white guy that ends up being awesome like he's not yeah. going to change the game tiger what that and way like that tiger. yeah i mean the image of it was very different i mean even from a standpoint of clothing like right. <laughs> clothing and fitness like the yep. image of tiger woods from a holistic standpoint was just new to the game. And I think that was, but that was the beauty of it because now, you know, for the game that we love now, he changed it completely. I mean, you see all different types of people playing golf and that's the best part about it, you know, and you can meet so many cool people through it. It's just like Phil would never have had that impact on the game ever. Not a chance. So my final answer to this question is he's got 44 wins now. Would he have a couple more wins? Probably. Would he be objectively as good and would he be playing this well as long as he has been? He's 48 years old, man. Like, he just won at Pebble Beach and he yeah. won as a 48. And, like, I don't think that'll be his last win. You know what I mean? Like, either. I think that guy could win when he's 50. Like, I don't think he's that close to being done. You know what I, I mean? Either. Mm-hmm. And so, would he have that sort of career longevity with Tiger not being in the game? I would say probably not, but I would say was his prime would his prime have been better? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He would have won a major much earlier. 
Um, momentum would have been on his side earlier in his career. Um, but the longevity aspect, I think Tiger is what the real reason why um, yep. he's really stuck with it and kept working at it. So I, I agree with you there with that answer. So that was a very good question. I like that one. Let's go on to the next one. This is another good one. If each of you could play in any one of the majors, which one would you pick and why? And I think we're going to adjust this question a little bit. But go ahead and answer that. Which one of the majors would you so, want to play? I'm going to answer it directly and then I'm going to add a little to it. So it's like if I could play in one, it would be the Masters. I think that's going to be a common answer for a lot of people. Obviously, the history, um, the beauty of the golf course, and just if you won that green jacket, like it, it's just cooler than all the others. Yeah. Just flat out cooler than it's, all the it's others. The, it's the answer. And now, like, mm-hmm. The way I, th- I like this question is because it actually got me to thinking, okay, which one do I want to win or which one do I think I could win? You know, just from a simple, game. like, your game. Like, what game? You know, we can always kind of relate to that. Anyone watching TV, it's like if you, if you drive the golf ball dead straight, it's like take a U.S. Open. You're like, yeah, I'll take my chance in a U.S. Open at fairways all the time. You would definitely MC for the rest of your life. Every at US single Open. time. Like, it would be like, was it, was it Kenny Perry? That just like decided, yeah, I don't go play British Opens. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just not going to do it. Like, there's no, like, even when he was playing really well, he's like, yeah, I'm just not even going to go. Like, there's no point. Like, it's just going to be frustrating because I have no chance of doing anything. So, my- uh, you're right. US Open, my US Open would be MC, MC. You know what? I'm just going to give this spot to somebody else because I have zero <laughs> chance. <laughs> But I think my answer, I have two. I fight with it. I think the U.S. Open for myself um, or potentially the Masters. I think the U.S. Open because um, I drive it long enough and with the dry conditions, that could be a huge advantage for me. And I can also be aggressive when I'm on and I hit it pretty straight. Um, And I'm pretty good inside of 10 feet. So I feel like that's usually, you know, a a good recipe for a U.S. Open um, if you drive it straight and long enough. Um, but can also, you know, make a lot of gutty eight footers for par. Um, I feel like that's would be kind of in my, in my, uh, circle of winning, but I think the masters as well, just because of shot shaping, I do, I don't mind curving the ball either. Um, I can go right to left, left to right. So I like how you have to use your imagination. Now, a, a PGA, I don't think I would do, I think I would do okay, um, I think a British Open would take me a long time to get accumulated with. I think I'd be frustrated, <laughs> to be honest. Like, because of the uncontrollables. Like, I think the creativity part would be fun, but to do it for four days, yeah, would be hard for me. So the master, the U.S. Open one, I think the Masters as well. The other two are kind of just nah to me. I don't know. What, so what do you let's think? just get this out of the way. Let's just get this out of the way that I will never, ever, ever play in any of these golf tournaments. (laughs) And they're like, if we just put odds on whether Dan Trainer will ever play in a PGA Tour event, the odds are zero. Like, there's not even a one in a million chance that the odds are zero. So, which major would I win? Uh, just, Just, you know, take it into account my game you know we were talking about this a little bit before mm-hmm. and you said that i would have the best chance of winning the british open and i was thinking about it and the first thought that came to my head is like listen i don't 
like when the wind blows, I stand on the tee and feel unstable. Like the club is going to get blown around in my backswing and I'm just going to hit it all over the planet. But then I thought, okay, actually, if I think about my game, like hitting it all over the planet and then going and finding it, getting it up by the green, being a little creative with the short game. Like, actually, maybe that would be the only tournament that I would have a chance that, And that's what I was saying to you. It's like, I think you it gives you the option to... Now, this is kind of in detail. You would never win a British Open when it was wet. <laughs> Ever. When it was wet? <laughs> yeah, never. Um, because See, I could just go up there and stripe the two iron around the course, and actually, I probably would win then. I mean, like, I don't know. No, if it was wet, you wouldn't, because you wouldn't get the roll, is my opinion. I think that you I would mean, pick and choose. I think you would pick and choose your driver really well, because I'd be caddying for you, of course. So you'd hit right. driver in certain times, but then you'd really use that two iron to your advantage. And like you said, short game, I think you'd be really good and patient with the creativity of a short game. So that's why I said to you immediately a British Open. Yeah, and do they allow drinking at the British Open? I think that would be helpful too. For sure. I mean, like Miguel Angela like, Menes is smoking cigars on the grass could start a fire any minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the drinking during the round would be a little bit more less okay. frowned upon there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the nerves would be a little calmer there. I don't think you can drink at the Masters. That's so I, I think I, Right. I think that's a really good question though because I think it's fun to to try to put yourself in this situations of <laughs> just with your game when you go play every day like what kind of course could you really have some success at so i think that's cool well, my final answer is u.s open one masters in a close second um dan yeah my british final open. answer is british open one and mc at every other single event so <laughs> let's go on here's another really good question challenges to teach teaching top amateurs and pros what are those challenges to making already really really good players even better yeah, so this was a, a really good question. Um, and it's one that I kind of was trying to tackle myself when I got into teaching because it is difficult. Because you have to, I think the first thing that I realized is you have to ask what their goals are. You know, it's like if a top amateur player wants to win the the USAM or the US Mid-Am, well, it's probably going to be a little different than a pro that's trying to become a major champion. Like... You can get to the victory of the U.S. Am in probably a quicker way. <laughs> you can disguise a few things. Like I'm not saying it's easy to win a U.S. Am, but a, a top amateur is already really good. Um, you can disguise a few things to to make that happen. Um, but for the pros, it's more about sitting down and actually having that conversation of what what are your goals, what are you really trying to do, and then assessing their game based off of that. You know, so. That might mean for X amount of time, you're not even going to be um, playing that much. You know, you might have to make some technical changes immediately um, to be able to go play in a, a U.S. Open or, or things like that um, when your opportunity comes. Um, so it really comes down to the challenges is understanding the situation with that player and where they're trying to get to and developing that plan so they can have confidence in it before you even start making any changes does that make yeah sense that's a, like yeah that's interesting so i it, but i would even interject here so like when we will go back to the original conversation we had about college golf right now mm-hmm. again i'm not out there watching any of this right but to shoot 50 deep as a team 
in three days versus you go out and you watch some of these guys on tour that like I almost I almost look at it like, again, you're, you're teaching somebody to make a you know, you're teaching somebody with the goal of making a living. I'm looking at this like even on a one off event, like I feel like can you really win a US am these days? with holes in your game. I look at it more even like, okay, so it's match play, right? The USAM, to win a USA amateur, you got to play match play. So it's a different game than going out and winning on tour. But it almost seems to me like, okay, if I'm, if I, and it's not even necessarily teaching, but if I'm setting somebody up to go play well on tour, right? It's like, okay, well, you know there's going to be golf courses that you're going to play. That you essentially have no chance on. Exactly. Right? Like, okay. So let's not really worry about those. Let's use those opportunities. Let's use those weeks as building blocks towards courses where we know we can win. Or exactly. we know we can we can take top tens and make money. Like the amateur thing seems like such a shorter timetable. Everything is more condensed. Like and you, that's my point okay. a little bit is when you go to a US AM, you have to the course is what it is. You don't really get yeah. to wait in a USAM till the the course that you like. Um, so and how that's much? Kind of what how I much mean. is winning an AM? Like, and this is the just. I'm, I'm gonna interject one more time. So, like, yeah. how impressive? I mean, obviously, it's impressive that Tiger wins three straight USAMs. But like, on, I think. I mean, I don't know. Three straight, three different courses. I guess. Yes. Yes, it was. Um. So, like, how much is winning a USAM being the best amateur? at that time and how much of it is just luck of the draw who you're playing and just ability to play match play it's far more that than it is the best amateur winning it's it's so it's like you have to have so many dots get connected that it's just like you know the golf course uh, yeah the people that you play because it's matchups, it turns into matchups. Like right. all you have to do is make match play, right? Then the games go head to head. Like if you're a bomber and you're going to play a course that's wide and really long in a USAM, yeah, I don't care if I'm a sixty to seed. Like right. this plays in my advantage, right? But Tiger won one at TPC, and it's like at Sawgrass. And that's where it's like, okay, the best amateurs going to sure. come out. Do you get what I'm kind of saying with this? Where, yeah. So now it's like comes down to goals. Like, uh, okay, you want to win a USAM? Well, now we just have to really understand this year what course that's at. This is what you're already good at. Like, you have to understand if we're talking about winning a USAM, you're good at golf. Now yeah. it's about for this course, how do we how do we strategize to get you to that goal? Is it? You know, you really need to be good at your short game. You know, you really need to be tight with your short game. Your wedges need to be better. Do we need to increase distance? You know, there's ways to do that now. We can prove that. We can actually control, you know, club head speed much easier than they thought they could in the past. You know, in one lesson, you can get someone up, you know, five five miles per hour pretty easily. Sure. And so, like, we have all these options to to helping people become better. But now you're talking about guy that's playing for a living. Well, what you're saying, you're exactly right. Like, there's going to be courses you're just not going to play well at, you know, and but you're going to have many more opportunities of running into courses that um, you really like. And as you get better, and if you take advantage of those courses you like, now, a la Tiger, 
you don't really need to be good at those other places. You get to choose right. where you want to play. Right. So it's a whole different longevity of a career versus it is like one hit wonder. Because AMs are just good. Like if talent will take you far enough being an amateur. If you're just if your goal is to be a good amateur for the rest of your life. Sure. You know what I'm kind of saying with yeah, that? Yeah, that's like, an interesting. Where it's an interesting like, take a guy like right? Ali Ali Schneiderjans, number one amateur golfer in the world, right? Um, really good. He's got the length. He seems like he's got everything you need to be good these days. But it's been a a hell of a time for him out there. Difficult. He changed his entire golf swing because something gets out there and and you're exposed a little bit. It's not that he can't play well sometimes, but that's not the goal. Sure. You get what I'm kind of saying? But like, yep. sure, Ollie Snyder James could go win a USAM back when he was an AM. Yep. Because he's just better than a lot, the more majority of those people. And he's got more success, so confidence is higher at that point. So to answer that question, it really is taking a deep look together with the player and the instructor of where you're trying to go. And then on a consensus, come with come to a consensus of how we're going to get there. Because that player needs to be confident in that plan too. That would be my answer. Yeah, I hope that answered the question. I mean, I, I think it was a very interesting conversation about you know the differences of being successful as an AM, being successful on the tour. I hope that answered your question. Uh, and so what we're going to do is, for the interest of time, <clears throat> we've answered three of these questions. We've got a bunch more that we can get to. We're going to take three of these every week. We're going to break them down. We're going to get hopefully quicker answers, I guess, than this time. Right. Um but we're going to add that section to the podcast uh, going forward on a weekly basis. And, you know, from time to time, we'll throw out another Instagram post, ask for some more suggestions or ask for some more questions to answer. But for now, appreciate you guys listening this week. Hopefully you guys like the change of pace. Yeah, give us some feedback. Anything else. Absolutely. Good or bad, we don't care. <laughs> give us some We know feedback. Dan's bad. Right. No, that's... There was never a doubt. Uh, so appreciate you guys listening as always. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. Keep the bad reviews to yourself or in Williams text messages. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks, guys.